Hello and welcome to the Guns on Pegs podcast. Now, you might be thinking from the title of this episode that this doesn't sound like it's a live podcast recording. It's the Tuesday after the weekend before and the dust has settled. Chris, it was a pretty good weekend, but we have got to just fess up to something, haven't we? (laughs) It was an amazing weekend, wasn't it? My God, it takes it out of you though, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a hell of a hell of a slog from you know getting in and setting up on a Thursday uh, in the in the hot sun as it was, and then you know you're on your feet for best part of four days, sleeping on the floor. That wasn't particularly enjoyable, but um, yeah, it's kind of inevitable, I think, in those circumstances that one or two things might not go 100% according to plan. <laughs> well, I, th- I I do think that it takes it out of us a little bit more than the average exhibitor, given what we sort of try and cram into a game fair weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, very true, very true. So, yes, let's let's um, explain what's going on here. So, should we do good news, bad news? Oh, you go for it, George. I actually don't okay. want to take any blame, so I think you should declare everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good news. We did a live podcast. And quite a lot of it recorded. (laughs) (laughs) That tells you what the bad news is. Bad news, some of it didn't. Good news, it was only the last, only only the first 10 minutes or so that didn't record. So that means that that what you're about to hear very shortly is that the, uh, the huge What's That You're Drinking we did with the live audience didn't quite record properly so unfortunately you're not going to hear that but i thought chris what we could do is just say what it is that we were drinking yeah sure and then and then we'll let everybody hear what happened after that well i particularly enjoyed your drink because i really do think you screwed yourself over quite a lot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then i was able to screw various other people over later on in the evening but we'll get to that in a minute so yeah i mean i well, I'll tell the full story, which I didn't actually do on the day. So here's some bonus content. Um, I had taken uh, to the game fair a bottle of my favorite whiskey, the Abelau. Um But we got a bit carried away on Friday night and drank it. Uh, so then on Saturday, I had to very quickly go and find a replacement drink. Um, and it just so happened that I came across a stand selling... The a whiskey that I'd seen a YouTube video about, and yeah, I am that guy. I watch YouTube videos about whiskey now. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been getting some stick for you know not being exotic enough with my whiskey choices, and so I've been sort of keeping an eye out for this. And it's it's called the Car uh, the Cardrona, and it's a New Zealand single malt whiskey. I think you know struggling to get much more exotic than that, or at least much further away. But really, the notable thing about this is that it's cask strength. Uh, it's bottled at 64.9% alcohol by volume, which is uh, pretty significant, I think. Um, and it certainly is, you know, if you don't have it with water, it's the kind of whiskey you taste with your sinuses rather than with your tongue. <laughs> um, and, and then I suppose the other notable factor was that I paid 75 quid for... Uh, Quite quite a small bottle. 
that's the most notable factor. <laughs> you thought you were going to be given loads of free drinks for coming for for doing what's that you're drinking on the podcast, and instead you're spending seventy five quid on a, a, a thirty second segment. <laughs> Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yes. I didn't spend anywhere near that amount. I spent uh, some total did you, of five. Did you spend, I was going to say, did you spend a tenth of that? I I spent less than a tenth than that. Uh, <laughs> and do you know what's amazing about only spending five pounds on a drink at the game fair is that it's cheaper than any other drink at the game fair I saw. It's <laughs> a very, very good point. A I mean, it was £7.50 for a a, a pint of lager so i've done really well to find something for a fiver <laughs> it's very impressive uh i found i went up and down the uh food and drink row like literally four times chatting to people and i chatted to this welsh guy uh really nice guy and he basically started a cider company it's called inner pig's ear cider and uh because he's welsh he called his first one sheep shagger <laughs> i just thought <laughs> uh well done You've made yourself the butt of the joke. <laughs> uh, I mean, it did taste a little bit like it was his first cider. That's the only. Ah. <laughs> that's the only issue there, but uh, but but other otherwise, it was very enjoyable because it was five quid, and I'll drink anything that's cheap. I enjoy so, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice choice for the game fair. Excellent. Well, I do, I do think it's nice that we both uh, maintained the uh, the traditions of our respective drinks. For who's that your drink? Uh, for what's that you're drinking? Um, you drink nice stuff. I drink cheap shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we do need Chris to say thank you to one or two people, don't we? Well, indeed, because after that we drank stuff that was a lot, lot nicer, uh, and and you're going to hear from one of them in a second uh, because um, you know that. The year before this one, um, John from Borders Distillery stepped up and and gave us an enormous amount of wonderful Kerr's gin uh, for the podcast party. Uh, and he had an awesome time. Uh, everyone else had an awesome time. And John has only gone and done it again and uh, and given us an enormous amount of Kerr's gin for everyone to join. So Kerr's gin is fast becoming the podcast gin of choice. Well, it is the podcast gin of choice, but for specifically yeah, okay. for the party, um, and uh, and so um, yeah, we last year though mixed it with all sorts of different tonics, and uh, and that was an error. So we went looking for a really awesome tonic, didn't we? We did, and um, what you'll hear very shortly uh, is um, Ollie. Uh, I, remind me of Ollie's surname, Ollie Medforth from from Yorkshire Tonic. Now. A lot of you will know Yorkshire Tonic even without knowing it specifically in that the company itself also uh, owns Raythorpe Gins. So you must have seen Raythorpe. Um, we, sh- we were actually next to them at a stand at the Beaver uh, Game Fair back in 2009, I think it was. Uh, so we go way back from when our companies were both very small. Uh, and then more recently, they started Yorkshire Tonic. So you'll you'll hear from Molly in a second. Exactly. So, yeah, Um what we're going to do is play a little clip from the end of the evening, uh, how the party finished, and then <laughs> we will go straight into uh, where the recording started to work. Um, just a little note on the recording. It, it is our first attempt at a live podcast, and uh, in the fine traditions of the Guns on Pegs podcast, it's not perfect. Um, the recording isn't as quite as good as I think either of us would have liked it, but 
George, it's still perfect. very good. It is. It's still it, very good, and I think <laughs> the, it really captures the atmosphere. Um, and, it, and you know, on that note, I think it was just a wonderful atmosphere, and I, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to doing another one uh, when hopefully we'll either have learned what we're doing or found someone to help us. Absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing that's fast becoming a staple of the podcast party, and that's finishing the evening with Oasis Don't Look Back in Anger. Yes, very good point. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Do you request that specifically, by the way, or was that just chance? Oh, yeah, it's just, just one of mine, yeah. <laughs> I love it, so we had to have it. Uh, go on, chuck it in, George, and then we'll get Brilliant. on with this. It was mega. Play the music. So, yes, Ollie, tell us about Yorkshire Tonic, because we're obviously going to be having a fair bit of this later. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, when you asked me to do, uh, provide some of the tonic, I mean, after last year's aftermath, I thought it was an opportunity not to be missed. You enjoyed it last year, didn't you? Yeah, I enjoyed it a bit too much, I think. <laughs> Those straw bales went everywhere. We haven't got straw bales this year for you to destroy. <laughs> That's good. So, so, so tell us, uh, why did you start Yorkshire Tonic? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of competition in the gin market at the moment. I mean, you walk around the, uh, the show today, there's, there's a lot of gin companies out there. In Yorkshire, there's 70 gin companies alone. So uh, we thought we'd try, see there's a gap in the market and try and bring out a tonic. Therefore, Yorkshire Tonics was born two years ago. And, I mean, obviously gin's really competitive and you've got people like Fevertree in your market. I mean, how are you getting on? Yeah, I mean, Fever who? Fevertree, yeah. <laughs> Fucking everywhere. <laughs> For that alone, hats off. Good, big, big round of applause and a massive thank you. Ollie Medforth from Yorkshire Tonic. Good man. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to do Whose Bird Is It Anyway? But Chris and I have been doing this podcast for 41 episodes now, dispensing something that's supposed to be wisdom, but we don't think we're particularly well qualified. And we've never actually shared any of our own stories and dilemmas. So what we thought we'd do is we'd share a couple of stories of our own and see if you've got any advice for what we should have done. Chris, can you kick us off? Yeah, I'll, I'll happily go first. Uh, if the guy knew I was doing this, he'd kill me. Right, so I was up in Isle of Muck. Uh, it's a, like a, a species island. You go for a bit of everything. So uh, we're, we're up in Muck, and, uh, and, and there's this guy who I'm going to name Jeffrey. I get to name this one as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and um, we finished the day's pheasant shooting uh, and we were going out for a goose flight in the evening. Um, so I went and got a different gun and some different ammo and kitted out some different stuff like to get ready for it. Bit keen, obviously. Uh, Jeffrey doesn't really go duck flighting, goose flighting or anything like that very much. So turns up in his, you know, barber wax jacket and he's standing there with his old side-by-side. -side. <clears throat> and it's, a, it's an 1895 Wesley Richards. It's quite a nice bit of kit. And uh, my, my dad, actually, wherever he is, was handing around some, uh, some 43-gram threes, uh, suitable for some geese. Uh, and um, 
and, and he asks Jeffrey whether he'd like some 43 gram threes. And Jeffrey, not knowing anything about what gun he's got, says, absolutely, I'll take some 43 gram threes for his 1895 Wesley Richards. Now, for those of you who understand a little bit about guns, these are not appropriate cartridges for that gun at all. Um, anyway, so I chose not to say anything. I saw this happening, and I just I sort of smirked to myself because I, I thought well, that would be interesting to see what happens with this. Uh, and we, we went out, got placed out on the goose flight, and, uh, <coughs> and unfortunately, Jeffrey got placed about 25 yards away from me. Um, the first geese, they're coming from miles off. You can hear them coming. And I'm like, oh, she's getting, you know that moment when you're so excited. And they're, they're literally coming straight up and they're slightly veering off my right shoulder. Jeffrey's over here and they make an absolute beeline for Jeffrey. And being polite, I was like, I'll wait for him to have a shot. So I'm watching, watching, watching. Jeffrey pulls the trigger with these 43 gram threes in his Westy Richards immediately the end pops off and his earplugs pop out of his ears. <laughs> Jeffrey wasn't sure anyone else was watching. I'm there, no chance to have a shot, absolutely pissing myself on the floor. <laughs> uh, to which I think he must have known that I knew what was sort of happening here. So the, the dilemma I've got really is, uh, I don't know if his gun's ruined uh, I don't know if it'll ever be the same again. Should I have told him before doing that that those cartridges were not suitable for that gun? And this is also quite apt because this is going to happen a little bit more going forward. What should I have done? Well, I think there's an obvious candidate for who we ask first. It's our oh, the resident gun seller. Who's had half a bottle of gin. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the mic? Here it is. Right. Take that. George, what would you have done? I can't decide whether to give the funnier answer or the serious yeah, answer. Too <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll do the serious answer first. I think people should probably understand what goes through their guns a little bit better. So perhaps you didn't need to have told him. Uh, but then again, having said that, if you've got those cartridges in your pocket, perhaps it was up to you to let him know what they can do. I was watching from a distance. It wasn't necessarily like I wasn't the one that gave them to him. I didn't do anything on purpose. I chose not to say anything. <laughs> You're an evil man. You should have told him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you, you'd be upset if it was you. Yes, very much so. Okay. I, think, I think we need to put it to a vote. If you think Chris <laughs> should have said something, give us a cheer. I, th I think that's gone against you. Uh, hold on, can we hear the other side? <laughs> you can hear the other side. If you think Chris shouldn't have said anything, give us a cheer. I see, Ooh. you jumped the gun there. 48.52, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what would you have done? I'd have told him. <laughs> I thought you were my friend. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> Having shot with you, you fine everyone for anything. So did you know this was going to happen, then fine him at the end of the day? He got a fine, yeah. yeah. There we go. So well done. You knew you sit down, you drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. Anything like that's fineable. Yeah, very good. Okay, so, so mine relates to a day that we had in October last year, a Guns on Pegs day. Uh, mostly Guns on Pegs team 
uh, and a few friends of the company at a very nice day in Herefordshire. And it just so happened that I drew a peg between my boss and my boss's father. Does he, does he know what's coming next? I don't think so. Well, he probably does, actually. Um, the birds were coming over a fairly tall stand of trees on a bit of an angle. They were crossing the trees in front of James and heading my way. There's an absolute corker coming my direction. And just as I mounted the gun, there was a bang to my left and the bird folded and it landed maybe a yard and a half to my left. Now, what should I have done in that situation? I'm standing between my boss and my boss's father and he's poaching my birds. Defi definitely going to Ben first, the, the, the <laughs> self-proclaimed gentleman. What would you have done? <laughs> I think I just get stuck in properly now to both of them. What, you mean start poaching his birds? Oh, yes, both. Okay. You've got to be a really good shot to do that. I would just, I'd lean in. <laughs> and, and we all know that that's not true. <laughs> yeah, in your case, that could be an issue. But, 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 but one must try. It's no secret, is it? One must try. <laughs> Right, George, so, what, you take the mic, you yeah. go find out. <laughs> Who's got an opinion? Well, first of all, I'm going to ask the culprit. <laughs> the so come on, James. George, I would never show you any mercy whatsoever. <laughs> and if I could hit you, I would have done. <laughs> and Tim, you were with us that day. Did you witness... I think I would have said, well shot, I probably would have missed if I had a chance to shoot at the bird. There's a gentleman, Ben. There is a gentleman. <laughs> so do you want to know what I actually did? I don't remember, go. I shouted, thank you, and then shot the next two birds that went over his head. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they were pretty much the only ones I killed all day as well. <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> You've got, if you go for that, you've then got to hit them, haven't you? Because if you're firing yeah, shots over someone else and they know you're doing it and you're missing, that's, <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> You've got to be hitting them. <laughs> yes. Right. Should we do some proper listener correspondence now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I need to check. I've got some people I'm looking for. A Tom and Bethy here. Oh... Right, so those of you uh, who've heard of What's That You're Drinking the Horse as opposed to the segment, Bethy and Tom, do you want to come up? So, huge these guys, round applause, massive please. round of applause, please. Um, so, these guys have had a, a fair bit of airtime, and rightly so. So Tom first emailed in the, at the party, before the party last year, saying, uh, how, do we, how do we get tickets? How do we get some drinks? Uh, and he said he would rename his daughter's horse uh, to What's That You're Drinking in order to get access to the party. And of course, we were like, absolutely, let's do this. Uh, and, uh, and, and we made a little donation to the Bob Champion Cancer Trust, who, who was out there earlier. Uh, and, uh, and, and Bethy uh, rides in the Shetland Pony Grand National, which goes around the country and obviously goes along here at the game fair. Um, and it's gone on and on and on, and Bethy's getting better and better. And then a couple of weeks ago, Bethy had her first win, having put it out there that if she gets a win, 
someone needs to step up to the table and look after her and give her something quite special. So, massive congratulations. Can we have a round of applause for Bethy on her first win? Bethy, tell us, how was that first win of yours? Uh, it was really good, and he basically led all the way around, and he was really good, and he was super fast. So you had it from the start? Mm, we got past a few people, but by the second lap, we were in front, so yeah. So there's nothing amateur about this Shetland Pony Grand National, right? There's, uh, it's basically full of ringers. Uh, Paul Nichols' daughter, there's a Twiston Davis in there, Jamie Moore's daughter... So to beat them, you're obviously pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her in the heat earlier. She was in second place, and you basically only need to get in the top few to get into the final. She's looking around, conserving energy on the horse, knowing that the final's coming up. She knows what she's doing. Anyway, Tom, uh, how does it feel? You must be a very proud father. Um, thank you. I am indeed. My, my job is, well, I'm, I'm the groom of the transport, and Jenny, my wife up there. So... Um, we're just trying to give it the, the best shot we can. And at the same time, hopefully, the, the Guns of Pigs name is, is being seen a little bit around the country at the moment um, through the shows. It's Gatcombe next week, Blenheim after that, and a few others. So I, I hope we get to go out and have some fun, really. Um, but it's, it, it's good fun to see them out racing. There is, there is friendship, but they are racing out there properly. They are really going out to win. So it's, there's a bit of a competitive streak that I think probably started with Mummy up there as well. Very, very good. Right, well, look, honestly, on behalf of the podcast, I've got you a little something. We've been shopping just to celebrate your win. I'm not sure I put it. Can I just squeeze behind you? <laughs> it's in a plastic bag. It's not glamorous, okay? beautifully wrapped, Chris. Yeah. I... <laughs> My wife does the wrapping at home. <laughs> Bethy, on behalf of the Guns on Peg podcast, podcast and all of our listeners who I know have been cheering you on because we've had a lot of correspondence over this, massive congratulations. Keep it up and go and get some more wins, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't show me up. Right? Little polo belt. <laughs> it's not a premium membership, no. Right, so a couple of weeks ago, we put out a little mini episode saying that we were going to do a live podcast, asking for submissions uh, for sharing during this podcast that we're going to do now. So, uh, Chris, we've got one, I think, that's for Ben, really. Yeah, this is really apt. This isn't even staged, not made up by George or anything. Apt. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we, we need your opinion on this. Uh, and I'm looking around for some dogs. So... Um, our correspondent writes, um, we have a young fox red lab that was probably around one at the time a friend of ours and his partner asked us if we wanted to go to a show. The East Anglian Game and Country Fair. They also have a young lab, so thought what could go wrong helping them to socialise in an open space. I'll start by saying we definitely jinxed him by calling him Rogue. <laughs> he has a lovely nature and a brilliant young working dog 98% of the time. While looking around the show, the ladies decided they will have to look in the craft tent. I had Rogue on the lead in my left hand, and just as we got into the tent, out of nowhere, he startled and jumped four feet in the air, landing paws right down on top of a bespoke amber jewellery stand. The stand had full displays all the way around the length of the decorator's table. 
It was full of beautiful jewellery that went absolutely everywhere. <laughs> the stands all fell over and most of the stuff fell to the ground, with everyone turning around looking in disgust. I offered to help pick up the fallen items from the floor, but the stall owner was keen to get me out of the tent. Just as I was telling my partner that I was leaving, Rogue decided to nervously poo right in the small entrance that people were queuing at. We've been there. I cleaned it up and darted out of the tent, embarrassed by Rogue's performance. Rogue's misdemeanors didn't end there, though. Later in the day, we were all looking around the array of clothing stalls, and there was a dog's water bowl full up with drinking water outside one of them. Rogue doesn't normally drink from them, but he decided he wanted to this time. Once finished the whole bowl, Rogue, living up to his name, decided to stand there and pee in the water bowl <laughs> as the stool owner looked on. Uh, ben, what should he have done? <laughs> I think I'd just sell the dog. <laughs> I don't know what to say, really, but this... Um Sounds like an arsehole, doesn't he? <laughs> I will, I will I change the name now from rogue to arsehole. Um, and, and I buy the Gundog app and, um, and get it trained. Oh, that didn't take long, did it? Oh, finish that drink for that. That's a finable offence. Now, who sent that story in? Are you here? Make yourself known. Oh. <laughs> Come up here. Tell us a little bit about rogue. Whilst we gather some other opinions on... Uh, I th actually, Ben, what's, what's, what's your actual name? Guy. Guy. Right. Uh, what do you think on bringing dogs to shows generally? Professional ants? Professional I want all of the opinions. answers in your mind right now. <laughs> okay. Would I bring them myself? No, because I want to drink and enjoy myself <laughs> and not get embarrassed. Would I bring them if it was too hot? No. If it was like today? Potentially. That's what I'm giving you. That's weirdly diplomatic. You're being a gentleman, a diplomatic. This is not Ben Randall, <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, so, so, so that situation, obviously, dogs a bit excited. Help, guy here. Yeah, I would say, guy, the dog potentially isn't ready to be in that environment. You're getting a dressing down. And uh, maybe there was time to cover. Maybe I, I presume you work away a lot, so you don't train the dog much. <laughs> we try. <laughs> Um, that, or is, is there someone else? Is there someone else? Let, let him respond to that. I mean, he, he did. He I did. am bigger than you. <laughs> I'm bigger than you, is what he said. Pl guy, guy, please don't take my politeness for softness. <laughs> I didn't expect a gun dog conversation to turn into a fight. No. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we better end it there and move on. Think? <laughs> I want to know: Has he tried training it? I've tried. Okay. <laughs> We're in progress. It's just rogue for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I uh, is there someone else you can blame when you're away? Ooh, ben. Oh, oh. <laughs> Guy, if you're away working, earning the money, yeah, exactly. and someone else is looking after it, you made a no massive person. assumption yeah. right there. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. That's a lie. She's making excuses. That explains the dog problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he just lives up to his name. You haven't made any excuse. You've just been honest. But no, no, no. She's making nothing. excuses. <laughs> so okay. it's her fault then. Will you be taking him to a show again? No, he's banned. <laughs> <laughs> but by the organisers or you? 
Maybe the craft tent. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's very good of you to send us that in. Thank you guys for coming <laughs> up. You. Round of applause to go, Sorry. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and on Ben's behalf, by the Gundog app. <laughs> You've got a drink now. For mentioning Gundog yeah, app. Yeah, exactly. Any mention. <laughs> you really look like you're enjoying that as well. It's very metally. Right. George. What's next? Okay, so I've got a, a story um, from somebody who I'm going to call Percy. Um, I think this is one that anyone who belongs to a DIY syndicate or a farm shoot might be familiar, familiar with. Um, he's written, I tend to shoot on a syndicate farm shoot with 18 to 20 other guns on a walk one, stand one basis. And maybe a couple of beaters who fancy a leisurely wander. We haven't got very much ground and we've got eight drives to choose from, maybe with a ninth if the river isn't in flood. As the season reaches the halfway point and many of the 500 or so pheasants that we release have been shot or provided a locally sourced dinner for the fox and buzzards or have got wise to their fate and buggered off, the guns start to ask where all the birds have got to, even the ones who've got a few campaigns under their belt. This is then compound compounded when you get that dreaded blank drive where the only thing that comes out of the cover crop is a mad springer spaniel followed by a line of beaters having a chat. How would you advise the best way uh, to ensure we don't have this situation? I fear it might be the case earlier this season, given the lack of birds and the fact that the cover crops haven't really got off to a good start. So, so he's complaining about the fact they haven't got enough birds, essentially. Yeah. And the same thing happens every year. Yeah. And they haven't learned. Pretty much. <clears throat> right. Have we got any keepers in the audience? Childerly. <laughs> Sir. Right. You're on the plate. So they don't put down many birds. And they don't... Well, they always end up a little bit short. What are you going to do? Bigger game crops. Okay. Okay. Uh, any, any particular type? Any niche? Uh, good maize crops. Also, probably, if you can locate yourself next to a big commercial shoot... <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, and uh, maybe have a good gamekeeper. Ooh, accusations. I like that. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Paul Chill, everyone. Um, George. They're just shooting too many too early in the season. They're just being greedy. Potentially. Don't you think? They've just got to shoot 50 instead of 60 on day one and 40 instead of 50 on day two. And then they, that last day of the season, there's actually a few birds around. Isn't the obvious answer to put down a few more birds? <laughs> From where? Think, oh, hold on. Ben says I'm missing the point. I think you're potentially missing the point. There's, there was one spaniel. Not enough spaniels. There's not enough spaniels, and they're not trained enough. And if it, where, do you, where, do you, where do you go if you need where, to train your dog? Where do you go to buy more spaniels and train them well? <laughs> potentially the gun they got. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> Unacceptable. Does anyone else have any other ideas? You mu there must be some people in syndicates here that have this situation where there's too few birds towards the end of the season. You all get a bit argy-bargy with each other. I'd say put more down and feed them more. I think that's pretty fair. Loads more feed, even this year. Yeah, why not? Do you, by any chance, sell game feed? <laughs> <laughs> half a bottle of whiskey, George. Uh, half a bottle of gin, George, wants to comment. Less horn family members in the gun line. 
we're not even in the syndicate, George. <laughs> Actually, is, is Percy here? There you are. Ah, oh, he's there. Up you come, Percy. So, Percy, how, how long have you been in this syndicate? Uh, six years to my... And the same things happened every year? Most years. And on the years it didn't happen? I wasn't there. <laughs> We're starting to build up a bit of a picture here. The, the common denominator is somebody shooting more than their fair share. <laughs> Do you get on well with the other guns? Until I want the payment. Ah. Probably of a small farm syndicate, the ultimate issue is money. Okay, so does everyone pay up? Do you have to chase a lot? We do have to chase, yes. Do you have the money by the time you need to put the birds down? Yes. Okay, so you are putting the right amount down, you're not... No. <laughs> it does say, it does not, say 500 not... or so. <laughs> How many did you buy this year? 600. That's a generous or so, isn't it? <laughs> Thought it did you think about 700? We thought about it, and it's being out of a game supplier. It was, we want 600, what can you provide? And we've actually managed to get 600, which is a bonus. Well, look, honestly, any syndicate that's actually got what they asked for this year, that's, that's worth it. You'll have a good laugh this season. I hope you have a great time. And, uh, yeah, I hope there's not too many arguments. But anyway, good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Percy. Well done. <laughs> I think maybe it's all been a bit too friendly. We might need an unpopular opinion. We do. We've got one. Uh, so, so this unpopular opinion comes from Pedro. I, I don't get to name our listeners, by the way. Uh, the first line says, My unpopular opinion has been prompted by, prompted by a shooting trip to Spain. I wonder where he got the idea for his name from. <laughs> Very original. <laughs> the shoot was very well organised and well run. On every drive, the guns were accompanied by a loader and a secretario. Secretario's job is to meticulously count the birds and how many shots you've also fired. At the end of the day, with guns were presented with an individual breakdown of both shots fired per drive and how many birds they hit. Our experience was that this was pretty accurate and prompted some very enjoyable banter over dinner over who was in the action, whose ratio was best, and on which drive, etc. After we departed on the second day, there was a sense of satisfaction amongst the group that we had shot what we had paid for. This is in stark contrast to a day I was at in the UK in November. The party was congratulated on hitting the bag with no shots counted, sparking a malingering doubt amongst the guns if this indeed had happened, as seemingly to us, our total was far lower. I've got comments already. With the bird flu situation likely to reduce the numbers of birds available, shoots will undoubtedly do their best to put on as many days as they can, with some being more restricted than others. As we don't have a tradition of counting shots or birds hit against individual guns in the UK, as they do in Spain, does this leave the customer vulnerable to being told they have shot more than they actually have, especially in the expected environment of restricted supply? My unpopular opinion is, should we have secretarios here in the UK? I mean, my first thought is, I don't think I want anyone counting my shots. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen someone puff their cheeks out here. Uh, it's a good point, and I think this could be happening this year. I really do. Um, from my experience, I think the first thing to do is check for cold, stiff birds on the game cart early. Um, throughout the day because you know I've seen that before um, definitely picked up from the day before and put into your total so I think people will be a little bit uh, fast and loose if they're not uh, wholly scrupulous you actually think this year something to be worried about I understand where you're coming from 
does, does anyone else have any other opinions? You, you got one? I got one. Um, on a day shooting in Spain, um, where we had a secretary, the secretary moved off his peg while he's counting the birds, and uh, I accidentally shot the secretary. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you do know this is being recorded, right? <laughs> I would say that secretaries what? are not a good idea. <laughs> What's your name? Where do you live? <laughs> ben Randall. <laughs> Any other opinions? D d does anyone disagree with the idea of secretaries in the UK? Yes. We've, we, there's more than one here. Come on, show your hands. I think if you, I think counting the shots over the whole team is great. I think obviously counting the birds is important. You know your bag. I think counting them individually is unnecessary. You know what you've shot. You know how many you've hit. It doesn't need to be a big team discussion. I think everyone knows roughly what's happened. I think putting numbers on it is just too much. I'm with you. Yeah, it's a very, very good point. I think we've got to think back to like what it is, why we go shooting. The idea of standing there monitoring absolutely every shot, everything that's killed, it's all wrong. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't... I don't, I don't know why they need to do it in Spain. Like, maybe that was just the culture. But I just think that it's totally missing the point. But is the, is the issue that we're charged by the bird? Should it be that we charge for an experience rather than, you know, for a day rather than an expected bag? And is the bag a target? You're absolutely right. I, it's hard to argue oh, with, wait, right? What, where's the real Chris? What, <laughs> <laughs> what the antagonistic one? Yeah. Ben? I think both sides I see. But I, I like to... Um, if you're pulling the trigger and you're having shots, you're having an enjoyable day, you're either good or bad, I think that should be the day. Enjoy the shots, pull the trigger. You know, it's not about, if you're pulling the trigger, the birds are being presented, the birds are there. Whether you hit them or not, that's not down to the keeper. It's not down to the, the shoot manager. Just pull, just, just pull the trigger, enjoy yourself. And if you, have that, if you had a certain amount of shots, that's your day. I, I, I mean, I... I think you obviously you've got to be selective. You've got to know what sort of size day you're on. I think this year, given the prices we're seeing, so the average price of a pheasant this year is fifty-five pounds, including fat, forty-five plus yeah. fat. Plus fat. So when you're talking fifty-five quid, you can see why. If a shoot's a commercial shoot, they want to know what's been shot. It's, it's quite a big deal. Uh, but honestly, if we go down this route, I think we're on a fast road to nowhere. I, I think I'm inclined to agree. So, is it, so does that, that means it is an unpopular opinion. This is we a very like unpopular it. opinion. I don't want to hear it again. Does anybody actually <laughs> like it? Hands up if you actually like it. One. Oh, I'm back. Stand up and be counted. You guys are together and you, no, 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 you no, no, don't no. like it. Friends, basically, but I've never... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got a split. Go on. So every time I turn up to the issue as a female... People assume I'm there as a plus one and not as a gun myself. And actually, if people were to count shots and see that females can shoot just as well, if not better than males, that might earn us the respect that we need because sometimes people just assume you're there as a hanger on and we're not. We're just there just the same as the men are. Can of worms, George? <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with it. This is, this is a slightly different point. But what you've done is you've used the secretario argument to, to sort of get what you want. I understand. I think we definitely get Crowbar of the Day award. It's very good. <laughs> that, it's, a, it's a fair argument, but I, I think we can achieve that through 
other ways. And maybe we should go down to the shooting line tomorrow and we'll just sort of work it out there. Oh. <laughs> George Jew will have a little competition with you. <laughs> Half gin, George. I think, I think we'd better move on before you dig yourself a bigger hole. <laughs> Ben, ben uh, t- tell us from your point of view. I mean, obviously, we talked about season a little bit. I think everyone's in a funny situation where they're, certainly for the people I've asked, their season's looking a little bit different to what they'd plan. You obviously get out on a lot of different shoots. H- how are you finding it in your part of the world? Well, I think from a dog trainer's perspective that um, we're going to struggle this year to really give our dogs a head start on partridge. For me, all my young dogs, I use the partridge season to get them picking up birds, runners, getting to really work in that environment and I use September for that um, a little bit of peg shooting shooting them walk up but mainly picking up and it really gets my dogs ready for my competition season gets them ready for the start of the pheasant season when I really need them so for, for me I've got a whole like four weeks three four days a week that I'm going to be shooting no partridges so for me out of my year and a dog's life goes pretty quickly so I'm missing a whole season. I'm going to really be struggling when I get to October because I've had almost nothing shot for my dogs at all. So the season for you is essentially going to be sort of three months or three and a bit. Yeah, I get to October and other than experienced dogs, I can't enter a competition or straight away because I need to shoot some birds. So it's going to be the end of October before dogs are really switched back onto the game because they've had 10 months out or nine, 10 months out with no birds at all. Yeah. So... I think a lot of people are entering trials. There's early field trials for dogs, which is um, in October. And dogs are going out without a bird in their mouth for nine months. So there's going to be a lot of disappointed people at field trials. But also relating that to us here on Guns on Peg, um, people with dogs picking up, you're going to be in the same situation. Dogs sat on the peg, hasn't had a bird or been on a peg for nine months. I'm in this situation myself and where Cora, who I got from you, uh, she's not been out on a game day yet. Did you train her with a gutter gut? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Fill that glass up. <laughs> uh, I, I did. It's gun dog, gun dog gin. <laughs> <laughs> do you get a bottle when you sign up to the app? <laughs> you do now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I mean, so our dog Cora is going to be, she hasn't been out yet. She was only ready, literally just about ready in January, the end of last year. Uh, and it just wasn't appropriate in any of the days I had. The problem is the syndicate locally haven't got any partridges, so I'm not confident taking her out on a first day with a big old pheasant. I mean, what do you think I should do? You don't think she could handle a large cock yet? <laughs> <laughs> you a just saying, have you got a... Just say it. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> You've always wanted to use that, haven't you? I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want it again? Fuck it. (laughs) Wait. Anyway, do you want to answer that question? I forgot that. Yeah, for you personally, obviously, um, I would need to see you face to face. So you want money? Not money. I would do it for for, um, for favours. But I I need to see the dog and where it is. And I think that we can simulate it the best we can, but there's no better simulation than going out on a day shooting. So my first days, I'm giving all my clients now the advice, if you get invited shooting on the peg, do not take your dog on the first day. Let's go picking up on the first day, you take your dog. 
make sure they're okay on the first drive, the second drive, the third drive, and maybe jump into some birds and have a few retrieves. Maybe send you put down yourself, start off on small hen birds, and then if you've got a, a young bitch, then try a large cock. I can't take you seriously. <laughs> right, enough of that. I, 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 I'm try, I've got a question here. I, I want to know what I need to do. I'll be charging you in a minute, Chris. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> How do you know what button to push? I watched him. <laughs> right, come on, let's get on with it. Right, Ollie Rice and Rich Jones. He's right, so your friend Bobby's been in touch. Um, he sent us an email and we thought we needed to share it. So Bobby wrote, I moved to my village in North Gloucestershire just over four years ago and didn't know anyone here. It was quite difficult for me and my girlfriend to integrate in the first couple of years. When COVID hit, I saw one of my neighbours more and more often as we were out walking our gun dogs at far more social times than outside the usual nine to five. Over the following months, we established that we both had a passion for rural pursuits and shooting, particularly working our dogs. Soon after this, he introduced me to his oldest friend, also a neighbour, as they'd grown up in the local area together, he too had a passion for our great countryside. Since the meeting via our gun dogs, they've brought me into their very close circle, invited me to shoots, introducing me to a wider shooting community. All three of us now beat, shoot, and help with breakfast and do anything that we can at the local farm shoot. We enjoy many an evening at our local pub, and we all organized to go to the game fair together last year. I was the designated driver, but the lads were on it and we all had a cracking time. Bowie finishes by saying, not only did they bring me into the shooting community, but the wider village and social community here where we live. It has very much encapsulated what makes Rural Pursuits participants the great members of society that they are. I would like to nominate them both as shooting heroes. Here, here. Well, I didn't want it to be too easy for you. But, I mean, Bobby, do you want to come up here as well and say something? I mean, your letter was brilliant, but can you just... I think maybe you should just say thank you to these guys face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. Thank, no, seriously, thank you. You know, I, I, I met Ollie first. I met, I met Rich afterwards. I wouldn't have known Rich without Ollie. Um, we, we do live, quite literally, a stone's throw from each other. Um, but if they weren't who they were, I wouldn't know them. So... And I, you're right, it is an absolutely perfect example of why shooting, the shooting community is so special. Um, is your shoot going to be going ahead this year? Unfortunately not. Um, the local farm shoot, uh, sadly, he hasn't been able to receive the birds that he wanted to, so he's decided to have a rest year, and we'll see as we are next year. So, good luck. Hope, are you going to find some shooting elsewhere? There's a very good website. I don't know if you've, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a drink for that as well. <laughs> you've got a drink for that as well. I heard there's a good discount for people who stand up and talk. <laughs> well, you have got an invitation to the party, which happens very, very soon. Chris, I think we need to wrap up pretty soon. But, Thanks, guys. Uh, but before you sit down, obviously, you get your garters. And these are the first ones that have ever been given on time. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Thank really you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and well done. We love this shooting heroes uh, part of the pod. It's very good of you to send that in. We, we, we get quite a lot of correspondence, a lot of sort of fathers, family members and so on. But we love this one because it's sort of extending the shooting community. It's getting it out to more people. We obviously, well, I'm sure we've all sort of done this in one way or another. But thank you, guys. It's spot on. Right. So do you think we've got time for a quick desert island shooting? 
Go for it. Well, I've talked about mine. Did you expect me to think about mine? <laughs> uh, no, because I think you've done way too much and you've been everywhere and done everything. We've had Ben's before. So who's got one that they would like to share? Come on, Jake, you're sitting there. So it's a tricky one because my favourite podcast uh, episode was the one with the... Uh, with Did Charlie with the care? Brownlows yeah so yeah he was with the Brownlows uh, last Christmas and the game train why would you not want to do the game train I think the game train just sounds amazing we haven't had that as a desert island shooting before have we I don't think we have and I think it's because people think it's just the most unrealistic yeah. dream yeah. possible it's, you're more likely to be able to do whoever it was who wanted to go and stay at so Balmoral where, where would you take the game train because oh, you don't have yeah, to do that, the designated that, that's route that's exactly it so we can just get onto the game train and that is a thing so unfortunately are you, ta- are you taking it through the channel tunnel we can go wherever we want or basically <laughs> it's you know no but e- yeah but e- equally what we can do you know is it, that is a thing where you, anything's possible so from that 50 in a few years time I know. <laughs> you don't look an eight. Thank you, thank you. And then from that, uh, but it, I have said to my friends already that I shoot with on our syndicate, start thinking now, putting things away because the McNabb, obviously, but the game train, the Isle of Mark, you know, kind of just going around and doing those things, you know. I think most of what we would want to do, which comes out in your podcast, gentlemen, is being with friends, being with family. It doesn't matter if you're pulling a 50 bird day or anything. It's the build up to the day. It's the post chat afterwards. It's the who shot that one magpie that got the biggest fine on the day. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Desert Island shooting's about being with friends, family. Here, here, very well said. It comes up a lot, thank you very much. Does anyone else want to share their ultimate? I want something ridiculous, a bit bit like Richard Crofts had a, a a few episodes back. Something ridiculous that you're thinking for the, the last, imagine the last ever day, shooting's going to be banned tomorrow, well, day after, because you can go shooting tomorrow. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be going with? Someone's got to have something. I want something rogue. Who's looking at me? Boys? No? Friends, family? You'd have your syndicate to have some birds this year, wouldn't you? <laughs> We've got Frank Body here. Ah, oh, Frank. Frank's an absolute hero. This is Frank Body. Used to run Ripley Castle Shoot, runs Mount Garrett up in North Yorkshire. Massive friend of ours. Frank, what I want to know, obviously you've been on shoots forever. Forget your shoots for a second. One last day, where would you go? I'd go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I enjoy it more. Where's the sound effects? Where's the sound effects? <laughs> If you like shooting, don't start running a shoot. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, go on, go. Uh, so, yeah, with, with these boys, it, it's the local farm shoot. I'd just go on the local farm shoot because it, it, it's not about where you are or what you're shooting. It's about the people you're with. But you've got an opportunity to make it even more different. Are you going to do anything? It's kind of like possessions, though. Like When you look back on times, do you say where you went and what you had or who you did it with? You always talk about who you did it with. Right, made me look like an idiot. You're right. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyone else got a desert island shooting? Oh, Tim Crump. So, do you remember the ultimate shoot lodge episode? Uh, some of you listened to that. So, you know, those of you listened to that episode, this is hot off the press, isn't it? So, Tim asked the designers at Oakwrights to go and build that shoot lodge in drawing format. We had it back 
on the journey here. It's so cool. It's I, ridiculous. I, just unbelievably cool. So we're going to post it in an article because we've got to, uh, and we'll share it. We'll share it online. Tim, Tim, that shoot lodge for those that remember the, the way we described it. I really enjoyed that one. We drank quite a lot, didn't we? A lot. What was the what's the sort of guide price for that shoot lodge? Because because some people here want it. Yeah, the shoot the shoot lodge would be about one point five to two million. But it's a very very nice shoot lodge. <laughs> All you need to do is have the the ultimate shoot to put it on. We've we've drawn it looking down um, a Scottish valley into a lock. So it's there. Where it's got the gun. It's got the meeting room downstairs for all the gamekeepers, where you can be, where you can talk about the shoot in the day. It's got the boot room. It's got the room to dry all your kit in. Then you rise upstairs into an oak frame above, with a great big um, glazed windows looking down the down the valley, and uh, you've got the the, the the tables there for the the uh, hospitality later in the evening. You're at the bar, and you'll be able to look. And we've got a balcony running out to a hot tub, and then we've got enough rooms and all the parking underneath for the cars for all the. The guns and the gas. So it would be a very nice structure. Unbelievable. And on the, the idea of your uh, desert island shoot, well, what you really need is on your favorite shoot or your best shoot, you need the best hospi hospitality. Okay, so we're picking that shoot lodge up and we're putting it on your syndicate, and then you... <laughs> See, I made it better for you. <laughs> With some birds. <laughs> With some birds, <laughs> exactly. Very good. Right, I think we'd better wrap up. Ben, thank you ever so much for joining us. Huge thank you to all of you for coming and watching the podcast. It's been slightly chaotic, but then what were you expecting? Um, before we go, as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting suck garters by sending us an email with your unpopular opinions, your whose bird is it anyway dilemmas, nominate your shooting heroes, let us know where you've been listening from, all that stuff. Send us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out in the next episode or any future episodes, we will send you some garters eventually. We're going to be back with a sort of more normal episode uh, at some point in the near future. Don't really know when. Uh, but a pretty cool guest, I think. Can we say this? No, because he hasn't responded to the time. Okay, with a guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a guest. A guest. You've, honestly, that's tenterhooks right there, isn't it? <laughs> ben, thanks ever so much for coming along. Pleasure. The party starts shortly through here. We've got a live band. It's going to be good fun. Enjoy it. We only do it once a year. And thank you all very much for coming. Here, here.